Well, brethren, good afternoon. I wrote to Pastor Sarver by way of email concerning a hymn based upon our text. And my brother and friend obviously went to work and located this hymn based upon Deuteronomy 33, verse 25. I did not know about this one. I was referring to another one. And I'm going to introduce you to that one for a little bit by way of introduction this afternoon. The hymn that I was, in my mind, referring to regarding Deuteronomy 33:25, I believe is commonly known by the title, Day by Day. It is in our alternate hymn book at Bolston Lake and sung on occasion. Day by Day, a copy of which I have in my presence, was written by the daughter of a Lutheran pastor by the name of Caroline, or apparently also Carolina Sandel Berg. B-E-R-G. She was a Swedish poet and songwriter living from 1832 to 1903. When Caroline, or Carolina, whatever is correct, was 26, with her father she was crossing on board a boat she was crossing a lake in her native Sweden. That boat suddenly rolled to one side, and her dad went overboard and drowned in her presence. Carolina's only child died at birth. And quoting now from a volume entitled Singing with Understanding, although she had written hymns prior to this tragic experience, more songs began to flow out of her broken heart, which reflect a simple childlike trust in Christ and a deep sense of his abiding presence in her life. Well, I want to quote from the second stanza of her hymn based upon Deuteronomy 33:25. Every day the Lord himself is near me with a special mercy for each hour. All my cares he fain would bear and cheer me. He whose name is Counselor and Power. The protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he laid. As thy days, thy strength shall be in measure. This the pledge to me he made. Well, brethren, you have in your order of service the outline that will be our roadmap through the text 
of Deuteronomy 33.25. I might add that I also made available on the rear table it is placed a selection in the public domain from James Smith's The Believer's Daily Remembrancer, The Pastor's Morning Visits. You'll see for that June 14th selection his devotional comments on Deuteronomy 33:25. This is a 19th century uh, script of his selection. Uh, you might note the misspelling of the beginning of Deuteronomy at the top. James Smith, just a word about him, was the predecessor to Charles Spurgeon at the New Park Street Chapel, uh, pastoring there in London in the middle of the 1850, or from the beginning to about 1855. It was the church that Susanna Spurgeon attended prior uh, to her marriage with who would become her famous husband. And I might add, as a bit of a blurb, personally, I have never, in my experience, come upon devotional literature of the caliber of what James Smith has written in his volumes, Morning Visits, from which this comes, and he the companion volume, Evening Visits. Well, with that being said, and now noting the outline, we're going to take up, as you see under the first heading, with the location of this blessing, the blessing referring to the text, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. The location of this promise is found in Moses' blessing upon Asher. The context of Moses' blessing upon the sons of Israel takes us back, and if you have your Bibles open, to Deuteronomy 31 at verse 14, then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the time for you to die is near. And then as we learn in verses 19 to 22 of chapter 31, at the Lord's express instruction, Moses wrote the song of Moses that by nature is both historical and prophetic in its content. Its content, which consists of the record of God's faithfulness to the tribes of the sons of Israel and the people's record of unbelief and rebellion. Quoting from Deuteronomy 31 at verse 22, So Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the sons of Israel that teaching seeming to occur after the commissioning of Joshua as his successor. And with Joshua at his side, Moses spoke, and quoting now verse 44 of chapter 32, all the words of this song in the hearing of the people. And quoting from chapter 32 at verse 46, he said to them, 
Take to your heart all the words with which I am warning you today, which you shall command your sons to observe carefully. For it is not an idle word for you, indeed it is your life. Now we learn Moses was then summoned to Mount Nebo, where he would view the land across Jordan that he would never enter, and after viewing it would die. But before Moses died, he did pronounce these blessings upon the tribes of the sons of Israel, chapter 33 at verse 1. Now, this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the sons of Israel before his death. And these blessings were both benedictory and prophetic in nature. That is, Moses spoke them in the way of divine revelation. Now, the blessings upon these sons, note verses 2 through 5 of chapter 33, is a statement of God's revelation of himself through Moses. And then looking at verses 6 through 25, of chapter 33, we have the record of the blessings upon the tribes following essentially the order of the sons of Leah, Rachel, and their respective handmaids. In verses 26 through 29, the blessings conclude with praise to God and reminders of how blessed Israel is to be his chosen people. Our concern is the blessing pronounced in this context upon Asher, the son of Zilpah, Leah's maid. Note verse 24 of Deuteronomy 33. And of Asher, he said, and parenthetically, the blessing to follow seems to be an exposition of the meaning of Asher. And of Asher, he said, more blessed than sons is Asher. It's the equivalent, as Kylan Dalich expound, to the most blessed of all the sons of Israel. May he be favored by his brothers, that is, especially regarded, especially esteemed by them, and may he dip his foot in oil, a reference to olive oil produced by the abundant olive trees growing in the fertile land apportioned to the tribe of Asher. And then to this prosperity represented by that statement is added the blessing of security. Your locks shall be iron and bronze, a reference to the doors of Asher's fortifications, conveying security from enemies, 
in view of Asher's territory along the northeastern coast of the Mediterranean Sea being a route by which invaders entered or tried to enter Israel. And then to the blessings of prosperity and security is added this one. And now I read from the NAS and its unusual rendering. And according to your days, so shall your leisurely walk be. Now listen to some other commonly known English renderings. The King James, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. It is the same in the New King James. It is the same in the O1ASV. It is the same in the RSV. The ESV, in as your days, so shall your strength be. The NIV, in your strength, will be equal to your days. Well, those English renderings are the renderings with which we are familiar. The NAS translation, and I admit I'm an NAS man. Versus these others does reflect a bit of uncertainty over the meaning of the Hebrew used here. Is it rest or leisurely walk, conveying rest perhaps or peace, or is it strength? Well, I know you've had lunch and the blood is in your abdominal cavity and not so much up here. You can get drowsy. And I'm going to try to hurry through this technical defense of strength. You come now to the second heading, the language of this blessing. And that heading is focused on this question. How are we to understand the Hebrew? Is it strength? Or to use the, the very fine NAS, is it leisurely walk or something like that? How does one decide? Well, in answer to that question, how does one decide? Number one, you consider the Hebrew. And certainly with the help of credible interpreters, two of which refer to the use of the Hebrew term or the term translated here in, we're going to get into the weeds, Ugaritic text. Text discovered in 1928 at the site of ancient Ugarit. Now, Ugaritic was a language that closely resembled was closely related to Hebrew, and a study of it provided light, elucidation on Hebrew text. The conclusion from that is, 
to compress the sense is strength. When the light of the Ugaritic is, sh is shown upon this question. Quoting the commentator Craigie in his, in his commentary on Deuteronomy, the meaning strength seems clear from the related cognate Ugaritic term. One of the standards in my own limited Hebrew study is Wilson's Old Testament word studies. I quote, most ancient versions and interpreters render this word, which occurs only once, by strength. Others by old age, wealth, or rest, which would what may be what is being conveyed by the NAS translators. I see not that we are called to depart from the ancient interpretation that has given to this verse the force of a most gracious promise of strength according to the season of trial of duty. Now I have compressed that section a second consideration under the language of this blessing, and for me this is a major one, is how did the Septuagint translators translate this Hebrew? An appeal to the Greek text of the Old Testament shines much light. The, Old Te the, the Septuagint, commonly quoted by the New Testament writers, I'm in the book of Hebrews now, all of the 35 or so quotations of the Old Testament found in the book of Hebrew don't come from the Hebrew, they come from the Greek, the Septuagint. Which in itself is a testimony of how the New Testament writers regarded the Septuagint. The Septuagint translates... Deuteronomy 33, verse 25, so shall your, the Hebrew term translated leisurely walk or strength, translates it with a common New Testament noun or noun that means ability, might, or strength. It is found in Ephesians 1, verse 19, the surprising greatness of, and here's the term they use, his, God's power. Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord, and then the strength of his might, there's the term. In the verbal form of the term used by the Septuagint translators to translate Deuteronomy 33, verse 25. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And I'll, I'll eliminate the other quotations, but the point is this. The Septuagint translators clearly understood Deuteronomy 33.25 in terms of strength. There's no question how they understood it. To me, that is a huge vote for the understanding of this promise to be understood in terms of strength. Now, once again, with regard to the outline and making a case for the language of this blessing, 
There is the analogy of scripture, that is the quality control of a given interpretation. Do other passages allow a given sense of a text, in this case strength that I'm advocating for, or does a particular sense create a novel doctrine? The answer to that question in connection to Deuteronomy 33 verse 25b is definitely yes. The analogy of scripture allows for the understanding of strength. The analogy of scripture clearly permits the sense of strength. And to just sample the, the, the body of text that will shine light in terms of the analogy of scripture upon this promise. Psalm 54, 4, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the sustainer of my soul. Psalm 29, 11, The Lord will give strength to his people. Isaiah 40, verse 29, He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. Philippians 4.13, again, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 2 Corinthians 12.9, and he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for power is perfected in weakness Going back to the Old Testament, Habakkuk 3, the Lord God is my strength. What I'm saying is this. When we put together the light of the cognate language Ugaritic on this language here, we bring to bear how the Septuagint translators translating the Old Testament into Greek what Greek term they used for this language. And then when we shine the quality control light of the analogy of Scripture, it can be confidently understood that the sense is, according to your days, so shall your strength be. Whew. Now we get the third heading, the lessons from this blessing. What are the truths that arise from the promise that whatever God has ordered my way, he will give sufficient strength to face it to bear it, to work through it. Well, you see that there are four printed for you. And the first is this. Each of us must live one day at a time. And according to your days, one by one, one after the other, so shall your strength be. One day, and then the next day, and then the next day. 
Now, such is an obvious truth. But the vain and sinful labor of anxiety is expended by those who mentally and emotionally are trying to live days God has not yet given us. Tomorrow's promise to no man. Eleven weeks ago yesterday, I had a very personal encounter with that truth. Jesus said, do not be anxious for tomorrow. For tomorrow will care for itself. Each day, this Lord's Day, each day has enough trouble of its own. And I understand the underlying term there, it's literally evil, to be natural evil. The kinds of adversities that simply come because we are mortal creatures living in a fallen world. And there is a tremendous variety of the manifestations of that trouble or natural evil. We can only address each present day, applying wisdom, applying sufficient strength that God provides to the day God has given. Granted, James 4, 13 through 15, there must be and ought to be prudent, far-sighted planning and preparation for tomorrow. That's different from worry. We can only engage the present day of life God gives. Each of us may, must live one day at a time. Secondly, arising from the promise of Deuteronomy 33.25b, each day brings its own peculiar demands. Days vary. They vary in their nature, they vary in their content as to circumstances and events and duties and the demands placed upon us by all of that. They're not all alike, they're not all uniform. They're what we might call routine days. Unusual days. Days of special arduous demand and challenge. On the other hand, days of rest, days of a leisurely walk. And then days of labor, days of ease and days of affliction, days of gladness and days of sadness, days when we succeed and then the next day we fall on our face. Days of youth and days of old age. Days of health. And days when you have a heart attack. Days of riches. Days of poverty. There's variety. And difference. And vicissitudes. 
which mark our days. It's like Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. Righteous men, wise men, and their deeds are in the hand of God. Man does not know whether it will be love or hatred. Anything awaits him. That's true. Anything. As James writes, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. The third lesson, capital letter C. The blessing or the promise of Deuteronomy 33, verse 25 for sufficient strength answering to the variety of our days and to how many we have, the length of them. The promise is for sufficient capacity to exert and endure sufficient strength that is as varied and as long as our days. The text says, as thy days, we can interpret, as our days in kind, in nature, in circumstance, in variety. So shall thy strength be. Strength for work, strength for trial, strength for temptation, strength for sickness, Strength for death. Strength for service. Strength for suffering. As Spurgeon preached, our days vary, our trials change, our service varies too. Our lives are far from being monotonous. They are musical with many notes and tones, a mosaic of many colors. The strength that God gives varies with the occasion. He gives strength just where strength is needed. And of that peculiar kind which the occasion demands. As thy days in kind, and as thy days in number, so shall thy strength be. As long as we are given days, we shall be given enablement to do what God requires of us. God has ordained our days, Psalm 139, when as yet there was not one of them. He has an appointed time for everything. A time for every event under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die and a time for every circumstance between the two. And the promise is, his grace shall be sufficient for each one of them. However few he is apportioned for me, however many. He's a portion for you. He promises sufficient capacity. Again, Spurgeon, not for today only, but for tomorrow. 
And for every day, as every day shall come, the longest and the shortest day, the brightest and the darkest day, the wedding and the funeral day shall have its strength measured out till there shall be no more days. The Lord will portion out to his saints their support, even as their days follow each other. The fourth lesson is this. We have here in Deuteronomy 33, 25, this blessing or promise of sufficient strength. And this promise is as certain, as sure as the day. We are sure today is February the 9th. Likewise, we are sure that God has provided sufficient capacity to navigate this day. In a notable 19th century book, Uncle Tom's Cabin, the words of Jesus from Matthew 11, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Those words are spoken to a slave who was weary and worn from toiling in the hot sun. And the slave responded, them's good words, but who says them? The point being that the reliability of the words depends on who says them. Well, so it is here. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. We can ask with that weary slave who says them. And we can answer in various ways. The one who loved us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that's who says them. The one who sovereignly determines our days. That's who says them. The one who has appointed the times and events of our days says them. The one who changes not with our days. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His Father is the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. That's who says them the immutable triune God. The one who has all grace and power from which we can draw throughout our days. That's who says so. The one who gives strength to his blood-bought people through the conduit of union with himself. That's who says so. I thank the Lord Jesus, Paul said, who has strengthened me? Deuteronomy 33, verse 25. They're good words. 
and remember who set them. Finally, this afternoon, brethren, our, our heading, living in the light of this blessing. Or in other words, what ought to be our response to these reliable words? Well, I would offer the following. Number one, we should recognize and confess our native weakness and inadequacy. Now, our native weakness and inadequacy is inferred by the promise. The promise only makes sense in view of our native weakness and inadequacy. Spurgeon again preached self-weakness, which is implied in our text. We must first get a good fair idea of the great depth of our own weakness before we shall be able to behold the brightness of this rich and exceedingly precious promise. Secondly, this promise should move us to cultivate by the means God gives communion with the Lord Jesus. Again, Philippians 4.13, and I want to, I should admit that the context of that is the capacity to be content in all circumstances. I can do all things, and in the context, those all things with immediate reference to being content with limited means or abundant means. But I do think we can extrapolate this promise of Philippians 4.13, to the other duties and demands of life, I can do all things, all things that God in Christ has called me to, through or in him who strengthens me. In union with the Lord Jesus. Paul writes of praying for the Ephesians that they would be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. In Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore draw near, that is, to the throne of grace, where there is enthroned our sympathizing high priest, let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. Our response should include the cultivation of our communion with Christ. Through whom, in whom, by whom, we find that grace to help one day at a time. Thirdly, our response 
should cause us or should include gratefully raising our Ebenezer thus far. The Lord has helped me. I can look back on yesterday and the day before and the day before that. Take inventory of those past days as I go into this new day. Thus far, the Lord has helped me. Oh, with Paul, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. That's his record with each of us. We should raise a monument in our souls of gratitude that God is faithful. He's brought me thus far. And that yields confidence that he'll see me through today and if he gives me tomorrow tomorrow as thy days so shall thy strength be and fourthly then it should cause us to look forward to the future with all of its unknowns all of its uncertainties its challenges its demands sorrows and disappointments and discouragements whatever is ahead to look forward to the future with dependent confidence vital faith with composure with courage because the promise is as thy days in nature in number, so shall thy strength be. We have a hymn in our Trinity hymnal, number 579, the second stanza. Be still, my soul. Thy God doth undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Thy hope Thy confidence, let nothing shake. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. There is another hymn writer by the name of Annie Johnson Flint. Annie Johnson Flint lived a good portion of her life west of here a few hours in a place called Clifton Springs. You may recall that on the throughway. And I conclude with what she wrote in connection to the promise we studied. God hath not promised skies always blue. Flower-strewn highways all our lives through. God hath not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. God hath not promised that we shall not know toil and temptation, trouble and woe. He hath not told us we shall not bear many a burden, many a care. 
God hath not promised smooth roads and wide, swift, easy travel, needing no guide, never a mountain rocky and steep, never a river turbid and deep, but God hath promised strength for the day, rest for the labor, light for the way, grace for the trials, help from above, unfailing sympathy, Undying love. Let us bow. Father, may the Holy Spirit take the words of Moses pronounced in blessing upon Asher and work them in to our souls. That as we arise by your appointment each day, we would go forth with gratitude for your previous help and with confidence that each day and the demands of it shall be matched by the strength you graciously provide us in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, may we be able to say at the end of, the, of each day that Christ's grace, my grace, is sufficient. That yes, each day has enough trouble. And yes, Christ's grace is enough one day at a time. Amen.